of Humanocorpus Dignitate. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our Father's Day edition of Anchored in Faith. I am Carlos Solorzano. And I am Angelica Deliana. And this this uh, podcast topic is something that is going to be near and dear to our heart, not just because it's Father's Day, but because it is the uh, year of St. Joseph. And we have been, we keep finding ourselves in situations where we found it beneficial to talk about him with presentations or podcasts that we've been guests on or conferences we've been um, invited to speak at. And it happens to be during the year that we celebrate him. So we wanted to start this podcast with a St. Joseph prayer. So we will do that right now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession and obtain for me from your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, before we continue, I should wish you a happy Father's Day. And you will wish your husband a happy Father's Day for me, since he's obviously not on the podcast. (laughs) And your dad. My dad. And your grandpa. Yes. And I'm glad he's able to make it to this Father's Day. That was touch and go a couple weeks ago. So. Mm -hmm. And remembering all of our priests as some of these wonderful Catholic ministries have reminded us that they are our spiritual fathers, so we should be wishing them Happy Father's Day. Absolutely. And I think we forget that they sacrifice so much for us and um, for our well-being. So definitely, yes, Happy Father's Day to our priests as well. So I think because you and I are both very proud of our parishes and where we attend Mass with our families, I would like to actually say uh, Happy Father's Day, therefore, to Father Martin and Father Stan at my home parish of San Martin de Porres in Saurita, Arizona. And um, by the same token, then, I'd like to say Happy Father's Day to Father Francis, Father Goyo, and Father Micaele at St. Philomena, my home parish in Carson, California, your former home parish, but none of the priests that you had are still there. <laughs> but it still feels like home when I'm there, which I was two weeks ago. So Absolutely. Th- thank you to you and all of the uh, people in the religious education uh, office and ministry that welcomed me. And it was an honor to be there for your guys's retreat and to, to attend mass there as you guys are slowly opening up in California. So there was actually um, a meme that I saw and I can't remember it word for word, but it basically talked about how St. Joseph didn't say much in scripture. Like there wasn't anything he really said, but everything was done out of inaction. And a lot of times I think um, fathers uh, don't have, they're not as expressive, I think, out of words, but their love is shown in action. And I think it's very important to take that into account that, um, you know, I know, of a lot of fathers who do so much and give so much, they might not say the words, but it's it's in everything that they do. It's in their presence. It's in being there. And so thank you to all the fathers who continue to be that, um, that, that presence of security and 
guidance and um, just nurture in in their own ways. So, also um, from my own experiences, my I lost my father nine years ago. Um, my mother once told me at a time my first real meltdown when I was dealing with losing him was you know you know he loved you and a lot of times it comes down to remembering all that he taught you so those actions that you talked about a moment ago that that is still a father reaching out and loving and taking care of their children because those lessons and those actions and remembering all that they did for you they do still hit home so again we see uh, the impact that these fathers had and actually i'd like to um start with that in our discussion when it talks about saint joseph because um when we grow up and like we like say when we were both kids and we were watching people speak of their fathers you know obviously it can be mothers too but you, you know we're talking about fathers here um a lot of it deals with the things that most people don't get to see so while we talk about, you know, the silence of St. Joseph, the question is, how silent was he, say, when it came to being the husband of Mary and the father of Jesus? So, for example, the, a couple things that come up in Scripture that we really need to look at. And, of course, you know, anyone who studies the Bible knows that if you're really going to understand the message behind it, there is that sense of you really need to look carefully at the words. And like we're talking like specific words and taking a really hard look at what it says, especially when it talks specifically about certain people. Now, the one word I want to focus on right now to start with is actually that Joseph was a man of righteousness. Okay. And when you think about it, there were certainly other people that were mentioned in the Bible that were seen as righteous. But what stands out to me when it comes to Joseph being a righteous man is you can actually compare him to Abraham. And what's beautiful about comparing Abraham and Joseph is one, they both encounter the divine because obviously Abraham was receiving, you know, however he received his revelations from God and also would encounter the divine when he you know, was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. While he was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, he had trust in God in a thing that obviously would have been really unbearable for any parent to endure. Meanwhile, Joseph, in his dream, encountered the divine because dreams in the scriptures were seen as a way to communicate with the divine. He's being asked to essentially take on a task of being, of course, Mary's husband, knowing that the child Jesus is not his. Now, if Joseph is seen as a man of righteousness, obviously we could say that it has more to do with just the things he did, because obviously he's trusting in these this, this dream or this divine experience to recognize God or to, to essentially identify and recognize the divine. So obviously there had to be this interior life of Joseph that was you know, his faith or his his hope in God. And of course, him being a Jew, he would have had that hope of the Messiah. So he realizes, as Mary did, that he was going to see the fruition of the promise that his people had waited, you know, generations for. So right then and there, that says a lot about the type of man he was. 
So imagine Mary and Jesus living with this man. You know, what kind of husband would he be? What kind of father would he be? And when we compare him to these other great men that we knew were great husbands and fathers, right then and there in that silence of Joseph, we can kind of, I mean, some of it, of course, is assumption, but we get an idea of the kind of man he was and therefore how blessed Mary and Jesus were to be able to have their life with him. I think um, one of the things that you did mention is that a father is not only somebody who is biologically your dad. Um, I think there's quite a few father figures out there who definitely do take on that role, um, whether it's by a stepdad or you know someone taking you in as family. Um, I've seen it firsthand where that can definitely make an impact. And so your actions as a person um, have greater impact on especially raising boys and especially, well, boys and girls are different in the sense that boys can definitely have that role model where girls are seeking that kind of um, protection from their dads and so, or some father figure. Um, and so I think that it's very important that, um, you know, we consider the fact that we have to, everything is done, every, everything that we do can definitely impact the people who look up to us, I think, in general. And so as a, as a man who takes on the father, fatherly role, that is a huge burden and responsibility. And I think St. Joseph definitely took on that responsibility beautifully. Um, and, and the things that he did to make sure that Mary and Jesus were absolutely protected. Um, so, and I love the way you touched on that actually in your blog on St. Joseph on our website at hcdtalks.com. You can read Carlos's blog on St. Joseph. It's so beautiful the way he explained all of it. So I was talking earlier about the lessons I learned from my father and he's gone. I can't talk to him anymore. I can only remember and maybe pick the brains of people who also knew him. And I, I've been reflecting on, on this a lot in the, the last couple of days. Just, you know, sometimes I'm driving and I'll just try to think of what I'm going to say. And I think it's beautiful. And one of the things that I, I came across recently, it was earlier in the year when the whole St. Joseph thing had, you know, the celebration began. I, I came I sort of skimmed this short blog or article, whatever it was, where it, the, the writer was reflecting on the idea of how old he was when he married Mary. And a lot of, a lot of people speculate he was maybe twice her age, which was not very common in Jesus's time. Um, you know, getting the more mature man and, the, and they say that therefore that was why he already had other children and, or perhaps when they talk about Mary's perpetual virginity, they said why perhaps it may not have been as hard for him to be able to, you know, not, you know, maybe in some moment of whatever he may have felt or desired of her that he would not have. In other words, they were saying, you know, his drive wasn't what it was. Therefore, it was it wasn't a problem. And this person was like, well, hold on a second. Why do we assume Joseph was a lot older than her? Maybe he was. He goes, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. He goes, it's also about a person's attitude so they were sitting there saying joseph could have been you know he would not have been the age she was but let's say joseph was in his earlier mid-20s he's still a young man 
But the question is, what did he see in Mary that would allow him not to want to, you know, I mean, they're married, so obviously their their relations would have been in the proper context. But still, knowing that essentially because she carried the son of God, she, in that sense, belonged to God, you know, gave herself to God. What would keep him from wanting to, quote unquote, defile her? And of course, the big thing was he saw who she really was. You know, go back, going back to the idea that he was a righteous man, he sought to divorce her quietly, even though her, quote unquote, offense against him was something that he, by his culture, had the right to call her out on it. Like he had the right to be upset. And yet he still didn't do that. He 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 was protecting her, even when he thought he was going to release her from, you know, their betrothal. What's interesting about that is if you think about like sometimes when I've watched, I mean, I've been to funerals or I've, I've heard people talk about this or just people share stories. Like I always think a lot about my mother's parents, you know, from what I observed and from what my mother told me, my grandfather adored my grandmother. And I know you've talked about your grandparents too, how much they loved each other. And, and, and even one time with my aunt, when my aunt was in, remember my master class at the, when my aunt was here in California a couple, couple of years ago, I was in my mom's living room and her and my mom were talking about, you know, they said dad and mom. And my aunt goes, oh, dad adored mom. We could not even look at her the wrong way. And he was already out of his seat. How dare you? But they would also talk about the way he would look at her how much he loved her. And you imagine Jesus, he, him being fully human, seeing that, you know, this, this is how you look at a woman. This is how you treat a woman. And then this is a man who grew up. And of course we know the encounter of the woman in Simon's house at dinner and the woman caught in adultery. Now, obviously Jesus had the wisdom within him to know what he had to do, but that human lesson came from the example by his earthly father. I think, um, and I tell you this all the time because you have a teenage daughter um, and you have a son, so you have, you have both. And I think one thing that, you know, we all want for our kids to have, if they are to find someone, to find someone who would love them and respect them um, the way we hope. And I think one of the biggest things is that we lead by example. You know, and I've seen it um, both firsthand or uh, just talking to people where, you know, people do tend to follow. It's it, there. There's a reason why they say girls will look for men that are like their daddies and guys will look for women that are like their mothers because that's what that's what they know and that's what they see. And I think that when, um, you know, a father takes the time to really show love and respect to his child's mother, that that child will also look for that kind of love and respect for themselves. And I think we have to, you know, this goes just beyond, um, you know, the responsibility of any parent, mother or father, is to make sure that we we show our children the way they should live. And, you know, that whole thing of do as I say, not as I do, that is so false. It does not work. They will they will follow your example to the T. And I, I've seen it firsthand where it can be very um, it can be very detrimental to their future relationships because they tend to follow the relationships that they're used to seeing. 
by the same token, um, you know, when they have a father figure, you know, you we mentioned my grandfather earlier. Like I look at, um, there's, so my grandfather had 10 kids and there's 24 of us grandchildren. And I, I talk about all the time how none of us really went wayward. You know, some of us had, we had struggles, um, definitely had struggles, but all of us were able to overcome those struggles and really um, work hard and succeed. And I think that really trickles down from the example that my grandfather and my grandmother had set. So you, you being an example is an example not just for you, not just for your you and your spouse, not just for your children, but even your grandchildren. It trickles down generations. And I think that, um, you know, we when we – so when we act accordingly um, and we, we really shoulder on the responsibility that we have as parents that we – we can help save not just our own children, but generations. To piggyback on that, looking at Joseph, you, you remember, you know, you mentioned my blog, but I also, I had done some presentations on him at conferences earlier this year, obviously done virtually. So I, you know, I went back to the drawing board and I did some research on him. And, you know, I, I also spent some time researching his trade as well as like the type of life they would have lived in in his simple you know nazareth home and what i find what i really found most intriguing was obviously carpentry at that time period was you know it's what they knew but the level of labor was off the charts i mean obviously you know thank god for technology and human advancement you know evolution whatever you want to call it and obviously you know there's certainly jobs today that are still extremely laborious and, you know, kudos to those people that do those jobs. But obviously, um, they have um, tools today that they didn't have back then. Like my best friend, God rest his soul, was a longshoreman. And he comes from a family of longshoremen. And it's interesting because everyone from his brothers to his stepfather to his grandfather, his grandfather would tell stories about, oh, when we unloaded the ships back in the 40s, we didn't have, and you know, all these different things that they have now. So what I'm getting to is like, for example, you know, the carpenters then could not just go to Lowe's or Home Depot and get the wood and, you know, take it home and do the work. They had to cut the trees themselves. They have their little, you know, stash that they grew together. And you're talking about taking it back to your, um, your home. Like, for example, I love, you know, I had, I had introduced you to that one Jesus movie from 1999 and there's that scene where Jesus is with Mary Magdalene. He says, Joseph taught me how to find the good wood from a tree. So he didn't just go buy the choice wood from the store. They also work with blocks, concrete blocks, which meant they would have had to carry these blocks to their shop. I was telling you, you know, Jesus would have been learning to work with the tools. We've all done work where we've slipped and scraped our, our, our knuckles, whatever. Jesus would have gone through that. So he's seeing his father work really hard. Now I bring that up because I want to say that before I piggyback what you just said about the examples of grandfathers or fathers, whatever, it was very common in their world where after work, fathers took their sons to the synagogue for evening prayer. Now, how many times do you think Joseph was probably exhausted? 
and he took Jesus to evening prayer. There were times in the synagogue they would also be discussing whatever they read. So he's showing his son this is priority. This is like, for example, what's the, I mean, I know California and Arizona are a little different, but like, I think both of our priests are starting to tell people, especially the ones that are watching online, you need to come back to church. Yeah. The diocese and, actually said they're not, um, the dispensation's done. Like, yeah. So back to church. And, and my mother used to say, God's only asking you to spare an hour a week. Yeah. Okay. So in this world, Jesus, of course, is seeing his father, not just, okay. Like, you know, the do, as I say, like, I remember my theology teacher in high school, for freshman year, she talked about her dad would drop her and her sister and her mother off at church and leave. You guys need to go to church, but he didn't go with them. And she said, oh, we saw through him. Okay, so what's interesting is that Joseph would have taken Jesus to evening prayer. Okay, so he sh- he's with him. So he's showing him how important it is. And what I think is the most astonishing thing that I've learned in my research of, say, Nazareth, Jesus's hometown, was, you know, every culture has its challenges. Like, like right now in America, you know, we see how many Catholics are, you know, they're, they're caught up in the culture. Like there's certain things that like, even though they're Catholic or they say they're practicing Catholic, they kind of support things that people are like, well, that's not very Catholic. Well, this is nothing new. And the reason why I bring that up is because of the fact that for archaeologists who've unearthed so much of Israel and all the different provinces and the cities, there's so many times when they found, you know, idols in the homes of people all over Israel. You know, it would be like people's, you know, little secrets in their closets today. And none of us, of course, are without sin. But it was amazing because the most current research I did was saying that no such things were found in Nazareth. And look where Jesus was from. So I, I find that to be so inspiring. So like, I mean, not just where they settled, but where the the, the influence of the neighbors and you were talking about, you know, the, inf- the big influence Joseph's influence probably on other children in that time period, you know, that were there, that Jesus's peers or the other boys that would have gone to synagogue with them, with their fathers, say, or their adult mentor that was a male figure, because obviously the father may have died by then or was not around. And to me, it's just, again, those, those little bits of what we know was expected of going back to that righteous man. How blessed was Jesus to have him as an earth, it's like God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I think God definitely has a plan for all of us and we all have to find that plan. But, um, you know, once you have that precious child in your arms, that's his plan for you. And, you know, just like Joseph shouldered on that responsibility of a childhood that wasn't even his and of all people, our Messiah, our Savior, that's a huge responsibility, you know, and I, you know, you and I actually had talked about um, when we had kind of our pre-podcast conversation and you'd mentioned that I, I thought about how many of us complain or say we don't have enough time to go to mass once for that one hour a week, you know, and that's every night for them. Um, so I think, and showing our, our children just how important our spirituality is and that moment to have with God is is very important. Um, and I think 
it just takes one parent to do so, um, which I'm, I've experienced firsthand. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, but just, we have to, um, we, we really have, when we're scared or we're not sure what to do, I think definitely taking everything to prayer and just asking God to be that strength. You know, there are moments, fathers and mothers alike, where we have our moments of weakness, where we struggle and we're going to struggle internally. Um, and you've talked about your own struggles as a father. Um, and I think what's so beautiful is at the end of the day, what you think about, no matter what you're feeling, whether it's your own personal struggles, it's things outside with work, or if it's even things, you know, all of us have those moments we struggle at home, but no matter what, your number one thought is my, your kids. Your, 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 um, your priority is your kids. How can you make it better for them? How can you be there for them and be that rock for them? And I think that's so important to consider no matter how much you're struggling and how weak you are feeling, um, we do have to think about our children at the end of the day. I think what's fair to bring up and very important to bring up is after Jesus is born, everything from Herod looking for the child to them having to move around. The gospel says more than once, Joseph was afraid. And I think one of the big things of masculinity is that we think we can't be afraid. You know, I always love that line, that, that scene in Lion King where Simba's like, but you're not afraid of anything. And he's like, I was afraid when I couldn't find you. Now, and I, and I know that children look to their dads to, to be that rock. And it doesn't mean that they, you know, you don't model that for them because you have to provide that security. But look at Mary. She had to be afraid of what she took on from God. But and I mean, I, I some I, like there's been films who've done a beautiful job presenting what it was like for her when Joseph came and said, I heard God and I'm here. You're coming with me. I'm, we're going to get married. That alone would have imagined what, how that made her feel. But imagine him having to go through those struggles with her, you know, all those things and to see him accept it. And for him to take it on and to, to love her and the child. I mean, again, the way God designed us and the way God uh, planned life for us, Father's Day has that hint of husband because you're supposed to be the husband too. So, you know, how happy she would have been, you know, how blessed she would have felt like, Lord, you gave me this man. And it's a, it, it just astonishes me because of the fact that there was so much asked of him but he accepted it. Now, obviously, you know, there, there are things as parents that will just blindside you. I mean, I, I've always been open with my students saying, oh, first full day I had of my firstborn child holding him. I was terrified. And I was also <laughs> felt sorry for him because I'm like, oh, good Lord, I'm your father. I mean, I know who I am. And I mean, you deserve so much better. But it's like, I can't get rid of it. I can't, you know, where, so when I had my doubts and I had my struggles and not my, I didn't have the happiest thoughts about myself. 
I realized why it was so important because in my particular social group, I was the first of the guys to have kids. So they're coming, some of them coming to me, like, I'm scared. I don't know if I should do this. I feel like I should run away, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I was scared. Yeah, I, I didn't feel about running away, but I was I was scared and I, I doubted myself. And so that's normal. And how empowered they felt, oh, it's not just me. You know, and as your kids grow up and there's certain things that they gone through, you know, I, I sit here and, um, you know, I, like I, there's things about for both my kids right now at the phases that they're in, I, I am scared. I'm not afraid to say that. And, you know, there were things that, you know, four or five years ago, I was like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And we did, you know, we just trust the process and life goes on. I mean, this whole ministry <laughs> kind of started because, you know, you reached out to me about a couple of, we've talked about this on other podcasts and even our mm -hmm. own about, okay, you know, the, the nurse practitioner stuff, as well as me asking you about the medical stuff. But there was one very important phone call you made. Yes. About having your son tested for autism. Yes. And I still deal with that as you do with other parents, having to talk to them about going through that. And I realized, okay, yes, I have my struggles with my child, but I give people a sense of hope because they know they're not alone. Yes. And it's, it's interesting because it's not just parents, but even grandparents and aunties of people who are going to be tested. So definitely, I think um, sharing your struggles with other people um, is very important because we all have them. Um, letting fathers know, you know, paternal mental health is not spoken about at all, but fathers go through postpartum depression too. And we emphasize the mother so much, but fathers go through it as well. And I think, um, you know, we need to really be there for the fathers and let them know that they are not alone. And the thing is with men, there's still, I mean, we're, we're kind of in a more open age when it comes to emotions, but men are still stigmatized when they, when they speak about their emotions and it's, um, so they're more afraid to step out and, you know, they're afraid to be seen as weak. Um, when and so they they're less likely to report feeling the depression um, symptoms and so definitely i think paternal mental health is something that we also need to really focus on and i think that's where men tend to struggle um a lot is they do feel alone because they also feel like i i feel like there's this thing where if i can't provide um strength to my family what am i and when they're feeling that downtrodden, weak state themselves, I, I think it just adds on to that issue. But no, every every man that I've ever seen has gone through some form of question, at least at the very least questioning themselves. If you want to call it your own version of baby blues, go, go, go ahead. Um, but definitely, I think we need to focus on um, what fathers can be going through as well. It's not just the moms. So, um, I think too, and that's where, you know, we don't know who's listening to this podcast. You know, there's people who maybe they're a father and they have a great marriage. It's a woman who she's saying, I'm blessed with an amazing husband could be a man who walked down his family, you know, whatever. Um, we struggle with our failures. We struggle with our doubts. You know, the times that we let our kids down, the times that we 
don't necessarily do we, we're not the best parents and I, what I've learned is, you know, we in the Catholic tradition, we talk so much and rightfully so about taking our struggles to our heavenly mother. You know, Mary loves us in the way that, you know, a loving mother is going to, you know, hold you in her arms and she's going to love you and she's going to comfort you and she's going to guide you. And that is all certainly true. And we are blessed to be able to know that and to make, you know, that's a part of our tradition. But I think for men, when we struggle and we have our fears and we have our doubts and, and we're, you know, we're not sure we're doing the best thing or the right thing, we need to, in our prayers, obviously ask the Father in heaven for strength and the grace to be able to do the things that are expected of us. But that's where St. Joseph becomes a great intercessor and a great friend to go to because you know, we think too much sometimes about the saints and all that they've accomplished. But, you know, there's always that talk about how many saints, you know, they were sinners who became saints. So even if Joseph did not necessarily fail his family the way that we assume, he, you know, the righteous man's not going to fail like some of us would. But we also forget how much suffering they go through when they, when they go through that. But, of course, they find meaning in the suffering. But Joseph would have felt the fears. Joseph would have felt the doubt. I mean, going back to that Jesus movie, I love the scenes where he talks to Joseph about some of his situations. And I, we were talking about this in our, you know, our pre-podcast you know, discussion. And I'm like, could you imagine? Because Joseph and Mary know who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there like, okay, the God of the universe is asking me for advice. No well, pressure at all. No pressure at all, right? I mean, well, when you'd mentioned that, it was one of those things where we're already struggling just to raise our children to be great adults, you know, like independent. We're hoping that they become independent and um, be able to sustain themselves and, you know, succeed in whatever it is that they hope to do and that they're, and in the end, that they're happy. Imagine having that burden plus, oh, by the way, you're raising the son of God. (laughs) And what kind of, um, you know, now that you mention it, what kind of insecurities he may have gone through. And if we're afraid to disappoint our own parents, imagine being afraid to disappoint your heavenly father. Um, You know, and it's, it, so I can only imagine what was going on in his head. And, you know, there. how many times do we feel as parents that we're already unworthy mm-hmm. of our own children? You know, when we, when we have our moments, we struggle. How many of us, um, you know, we have that moment where we break down? Imagine what Joseph could have gone through. And so I think definitely using him as an example of hope, um, for in everything that we do, um, and especially for the fathers, just look, using his men as, as an example of how to be and to strive to be that. We will never, us as humans will never reach a moment of perfection, but I think definitely we can strive for it every single moment um, and definitely strive through it through our weakness. And if anyone even wants to say, well, Joseph was still human, of course he's going to be afraid. Don't forget Jesus was scared too when he was about to save the world. You know, so fear is part of being human, but I think part of it is we need to be able to overcome that and try to find that um, what try to overcome that by thinking of what's going to happen in the end and making sure that all of our actions are based on faith. 
And, you know, again, as Catholics, you know, the kingdom of God is not just those on earth who follow the Lord, but those in heaven. Joseph is that friend we can go to, you know, in our prayers, you know, and he would understand what we go through. Um, it's interesting because, you know, when we fail, sometimes we, we you know, well, OK, well, I'm a deadbeat dad. I, I blew it. I get it. But I've, you know, it's interesting because being a high school teacher, you know, and oh, goodness, th this past year, I, I had a class one day where it was almost like true confessions day. And it wasn't so much the kids pouring out all their faults, but they're, you know, because again, some, some probably on previous podcasts, people know that they, I'm called Mr. Solo or Solo. So like one of the girls in class just goes, Solo, I hope you realize we're all screwed up. We all have daddy issues. And I'm just sitting there stunned because I, I know a lot of their stories and some of it were from the dads are either not around at all or, you know, physically there, but like, at, you know, psychologically absent, whatever. And again, I think sometimes when we fail, we actually feel like, okay, well, I've done this. Like we make it this like once and for all moment. And it's like, okay. Yes, sometimes to, you know, win the heart of your child again might take years of trying to work. To, but I mean, look, look what you've done. I mean, you you have to, you know, earn their trust again. And so but we forget that's not impossible. You yeah. know, you, you have, you know, again, you pray for the strength and, and the guidance. But that's when I remember telling you this, too. I really strongly encourage people to watch the movie courageous a lot of christians of various backgrounds have seen it sometimes it's like if you haven't seen it it's about fathers if you have seen it and maybe it's been a while it's one of those movies where you always get something out of it when you see it and and the scenarios are all kinds of different situations that a lot of people go through with fathers or absent fathers and again it shows that hope of you can repair damage that's done I actually just saw um, an interview with a half white, half Filipino comedian. Um, if anyone knows who he is, his name is Joel Koi. Um, if you're Christian, you might not want to watch his jokes because they're kind of, he kind of curses a lot, but you know. But I, one thing that's so beautiful is that he doesn't, he talks constantly about being raised by his mom because his dad did um, leave. Uh, they, they, his parents got divorced and his dad did not seem to be around for quite a bit of his life, um, especially through his teenage years, which I think is a time that men, uh, boys really need their dad. But, um, he talks about how he rekindled that relationship with his dad. And he did say, you know, it was hard. It was a good hard, but it was hard in the beginning to rekindle that relationship. But he said, now we're the best of friends. And so I thought that was a very beautiful testimony and to understanding what's important in, at the end of the day and that every single one of us has all of our struggles. We as, uh, we as um, offspring have our struggles with our parents. Our parents have struggled being parents to us. And I think, um, you know, and sometimes our parents just, they don't know how to handle situations. Um, they're growing up just as you're growing up, they're growing up too. Um, they're maturing as well. And, um, I can tell you from personal testimony, it is possible to change. Um, and it is possible to have a better relationship 
as long as you are willing to forgive. Um, and you know, and sometimes some, sometimes there are some hurts that don't go away. Um, they will still resurface from time to time, but in the end, what is important, your, what is important is the fact that you guys still love each other. Um, and you know, who that person can become. Um, and so definitely I think that we need to be able to just, if you're struggling, pray on it. If you need therapy, go, um, uh, just to help you with those relationships should you need it. Um, because, you know, a lot of times between parents and children, sometimes the thing is forgiveness and forgiving ourselves as well as forgiving each other. Um, so if anyone needed to hear that, I hope, I hope and pray to God that you, you find whatever it is that you need to be able to heal so that you can have the relationship that you need to have with either your parent, with your father or your fa or fathers with their daughters or their sons or even mothers with the fathers or, you know, whatever relationship needs to be healed. I hope that you find it. As soon as you mentioned the Joe Coy thing, and I think it's fine to bring up these out there entertainers because every human being has the desire for authentic love. And, I remember Gabriel Iglesias, he talked about it on stage when he when he was reacquainted with his father. It's a beautiful story. Even when he talked about, I mean, he's doing it with humor, but even when he talked about his mother wanting nothing to do with it, and he's like basically telling her, mom, this is my dad, mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. But, and it's interesting because sometimes some people don't get that choice. Sometimes like, like, you know, I'm, I'm a music fan and I, and I tell people I love the band kiss. And I know right now some people are like, wow, <laughs> you need to sit down and talk to me. Cause I can tell you stories. Powerful. Gene Simmons is, they left Israel when he was seven. He never saw his father again in his life. And he admits that was a mistake. He would, you know, if you, when you watch a clip of his old reality show, he went to his father's grave years after his father died and there are parts of that it's so moving i think my favorite part was he had half siblings his father you know went on with his life and his brother read a letter to him that his father wrote to him about how proud he was of him i've seen all that you've accomplished you must your, your mother obviously did a wonderful job raising you. Thank you for the money you sent me. You know, like his whole life, he was like, I'm going to, I'm never going to see my father because I'm going to prove to him I can do this without him. And he admits later that was wrong. I should have come to see him. And it's like you said, it's the forgiveness part. He, he, he realizes he didn't forgive his father in time, but he didn't give his father a chance to ask him for forgiveness. And sometimes what I don't think we think about, and the, I mean, this came up in a different context of a conversation that is completely out of context here, but it was basically the gist of the message we gave was um, you don't know what you're going to think and feel later on. Um, you know, when we're young, we have this mentality um, that we're invincible and that, you know, there it's, it's basically, this is what makes me feel good. This is, 
about me, but we don't really consider what we're going to think and feel when in 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. Um, and I think one of the things that we don't think about um, until death actually is tangible sometimes when there's a death close to us that this could be it. And what are you going to do if this is it? Um, you know, so I, you know, I know of people who don't talk to their parents for years and just either barely start talking to them literally right before they died and regret how many years they had in between that they'd wasted or just never got to rekindle that relationship. Um, and so at the very least, I always say at the very least, you tried. If, you know, it, it takes two. It, will, it does take two to rekindle any relationship. But at the very least, try. At least you can say you tried. Well, and also it's the terms of the relationship. Like there, there are some people that, yeah, it's probably going to be an annual Christmas visit. And that's probably all they can stand. <laughs> some, some kids and parents, they just, you know, give them more than a week and they're going to kill each other. But the effort and, you know, the commitment to doing that is, is something that they, they need. Like, for example, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person I, I don't live close to my family members, other my immediate families here, et cetera. But it's like, I don't. And I, I've realized that that's how I have to live my life. I go back to California for special occasions. I'll see my, my family. I'll see my cousins, whatever. It's wonderful to see them. I won't see many of them for several years. It just works that way. It works for me. But like when I see them, they know I love them. They know I care. It, it's, it is what it is. So like my mother doesn't doubt how I feel. You know, I will call her to tell her what's going on with her grandkids and my family, whatever. But it's one of those things where you just, she knows, we know the person. And again, like there, I think too, going back to Joseph, you know, filling the cracks, like we don't know his personality. You know, he may have been a talker. He may have been really quiet. We don't know Mary's personality. So again, they may have been the opposite. You know, one of them talking a lot, one of them not. So let's say Joseph may have been the typical you know, quiet dad. Usually it's like people say their mom might talk more. That's fine. But, you know, we see all these paintings of Jesus in the shop with him. You know, culturally, we know fathers passed on their trade to the son. You know, in this case, Jesus would have been with his father sometimes selling things or, you know, whatever it is. So it's like he has that time with him, you know, like and Joseph, you know, like I, I, I can imagine there were probably some fathers who were trying to teach their sons the trade and the kid just couldn't get it. It's like, you know, just just go with your mother. I can't do this right now. You know, maybe Jesus wasn't a good carpenter. I don't know. But it's just the thing is, it's just there was that, you know, obviously he had that time with him. And if he was a righteous man, they're probably sitting in the shop talking maybe about their traditions, maybe about their religion. You know, Jesus begins to become more aware of who he is. And he's talking to Joseph about this. Of course, Mary as well. But it's just they have that time together. Well, I mean, going back to even um, the beginning with St. Joseph, he had a choice. He had a choice. He, he could have stayed and just kept going and walked away. But he chose to look at the situation, to listen to God, look at the situation. And like you always say, look at Mary's heart um, and see who she is. And there's got to be some level of 
there is still probably some level of needing to forgive no matter if none of them did anything wrong. He probably in some ways felt wronged, which is why he wanted to divorce her quietly. So there is still a level of forgiveness there, but it turned around and it, it became such a beautiful, you know, they became one of our, they are the example of a nuclear family. And so I, you know, I, um, I really admire his ability to turn around and say, no, I accept this situation and I, I accept you for who you are and I accept this responsibility. What I love about, again, you know how much I love art, is the whole idea of divorcing her quietly was because he would have been shamed culturally. So like in the film from years ago, Mary, Mother of Jesus, when he accepts her, it's at a point where she's in public, they see she's with child, a woman says something, a crowd gathers around her, he shows up to her surprise and says, she is my betrothed. Tomorrow I make her my wife. And he says, and he looks at that woman too. Anyone that has a word to say about her will answer to me. So she's Mary stunned, you know, wait, he just like, he already, last time I saw him, he's like, no, we're not doing this. And it's beautiful because, um, you know, like, I don't remember what she said to him at, right away. But like at one point, it was because of the context, you know, he saved her because, you know, they could have stoned her for that. But she actually said to him, you also saved the child. Absolutely. So it's like he did what he at that moment, what he had to do, what he felt was right. Meanwhile, she tells him you did more than you expected. And see, that's what I that that's where I think again the 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 husband and the father dynamic is wonderful, because while he's busy doing his thing, she's watching. Imagine the things she said. I saw what you did with him, or those moments where she talks to Jesus, saying, "Your father this, your father that." In case you didn't notice that, you you guys were busy X Y and Z. I was watching you, so being able to see that relationship he had with his father through his mother's eyes. So again, that, you know, you mentioned the nuclear family, you know, the idea that we cannot run away from our responsibilities. I, I'm convinced to this day that we live in a culture where it's such a throwaway culture that we give up so fast. And I think the reason why the divorce rate is so high is people don't want to put the work in. And I think mm -hmm. that's what leads to so much regret. And again, if we 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 too we forget so much. Pray. Yes. Go to our blessed mother, Saint Joseph. Go to the ones who can help guide us. And we, they've been through it. Holiness doesn't mean you're exempt from suffering. No. You know, so it's like they've been through this. And of course, we have the other saints, similar things. We have scripture that teaches us about fatherhood and motherhood. We have the church's teachings on all this. All of this is stuff that we can pray and reflect on. So it's like, it's right there. We just dare to learn, dare to pray, and most importantly, dare to receive the graces and go in the direction God is sending you. And kind of piggybacking back on your comment about not giving up. Um, I know of a couple actually 
who struggled. Um, they struggled through addiction. Um, they may have struggled through fidelity issues. And this was, you know, and they had children and their children suffered through it, but they pushed and they pushed and they stuck together. And now they've been married close to 40, maybe 50 years, um, maybe 40. And they, they actually say, and they're more in love now than they ever were before. And, um, they actually say, if I had given up back then, I wouldn't have what I have now. Um, we all have our own personal struggles. And I think that, um, we need to know. And, and I think that one of the things that we need to remember when we're even, um, as a couple is that we need to be able to be each other's strength um, and be there for each other when the other one is weak. And so, and that's not an easy thing to do. It's easier to say than to do, but definitely, um, you know, that's how we can be the example for our own children to not give up. And again, embrace the fact that the Bible even told us that Joseph was afraid. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. I think, you know, with the symbol of masculinity, sometimes um, men are afraid to tell their wives, I'm scared, because how am I going to look? And I'm going to say this because I think it's important for any of the women who are listening, please be the beacon he can lean on. When he admits his fears, don't question his manhood. Listen, you know, in the same way that you want him to listen to you, give him that as well, because he needs you at that point. You know, he's he's not only sharing, but he's recognizing your strength, you know, what you have to offer. So in that sense, you know, that would be, you know, where he can rely on you to help get him through that, along with the prayer and all that goes with that. So, again, you know, don't be afraid to let him be afraid. And of course, you know, gentlemen, we're supposed to be able to be that rock for our wives to lean on. So when they're afraid, we have to comfort them and, and love them and protect them through that. So again, you know, let's that's part of our humanity. And let's not be afraid to embrace that because it'll help us deal with the problem. And of course, how we deal with that is also very important. So again, let's, let's just be who we are and move on. Okay, so that was a lot. And, you know, we talked a lot about Joseph and Mary and their influence on Jesus, of course, with an emphasis on St. Joseph, the father of our Father's Day. So we thank all the fathers out there. Again, thanks to all of our fathers, grandfathers, father figures. Again, also all of our priests who are father figures to all of us. And we God bless you all. And we wish you all a happy Father's Day. Thank you. For additional episodes, videos, blogs, and more, visit us at www.hcdtalks.com or follow us on any of our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at HCDTalks. Thank you so much for listening.